the number one thing that a designer does is empathize with the user. God empathized with us and our feelings and our emotions. Those times when we're crying in deep tears that we don't know an answer, we're asking why. Why is this happening to me, Lord? The same thing that Jesus Christ was in the cross. He was asking the Lord, why? Why has you, have you forsaken me? That is the ultimate empathy. Welcome to Grayson 30 on WERALP, Arlington 96.7 FM, and streaming at WERA.FM. This is Ed Malik, and I'll be your host for the program tonight. Is it possible to infuse design with grace? Can you design products, services, businesses, entertainment, graphics, or anything else in a way that reveals and expresses God's grace? Tonight, I'm joined by my good friend, Erwin Godoy, a local innovation executive and lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army Reserves, who's been working in the design innovation space for a number of years. Erwin joins me to talk about what design is, what great designers do, and seeing God as the ultimate designer. Erwin, welcome to Grace and 30. Thank you for having me, Ed. Words like design, innovation, disruption, creativity get lots of press these days. They're frankly overused. What is design? So design is it's a lot of things to different people. Uh, and I think if, if you talk just to anybody who's not uh, familiar with design in the innovation space, they might think of interior design. Uh, they might think of web design, how you design a website. Uh, fashion, they might think design in terms of website and it's, you know, how aesthetically pleasing something is. And yes, design is all those things. Uh, however, design has evolved from those things, from architecture, from building beautiful things, to being a discipline that is used to solve complex problems. Um, and the reason it has from that, because when something is aesthetically pleasing, when th- something is, is very designed in, in a very functional, easy way to use, like a building, uh, you look at archi- architects are designers, right? Um, that is very applicable to everyday products, everyday services that we use. And when you dig deeper into design, you start out, you start looking at how it is that you are able to design something that is that is just a beautiful experience for someone, just like it is beautiful to the eye, to, to the to the eye, and pleasing to the eye. Um, you have to understand the individual. You have to understand the person, and that that's where design has taken the concept of product and service development to trying to empathize with the individual, with the person using and leveraging that product or that service. So you put yourself in the shoes of that individual who's going to use that product, that service. So you're solving how it is that you're solving a problem for them with that product and a service in a very intuitive, in a very delightful way um, that they're just going to enjoy a fabulous experience. So it's no longer about building products that are very functional, but building products and experiences that are delightful to use. And that has really has come of age with the digital revolution starting in the 1970s. Apple has been a big proponent of design. And a lot of great designers have come out of Apple. They're the first ones to start building intuitive, easy-to-use experiences. If you look at your iPhone, it's a complex system, a very complex digital system, but it provides a very delightful and easy-to-use experience for anybody. 
it, you don't need a manual to learn it. It it solves a lot of problems for us in terms of uh, being able to provide us in one place, how we make phone calls, how we text, how we have emails, and provides platforms for other individuals to design products that are easy to use with this one platform, which is a, a, a mobile smartphone. I've heard it said that simple is hard. And I think Apple's an excellent example of this. Their products are incredibly easy to use, but a lot of complexity, a lot of effort goes into developing those to make them simple, correct? Yes. Simple is hard. Um, and I think that's where, I don't think, I, 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 I truly believe that that's where we bring in God and grace into design. An iPhone is a complex system, but you look at a hand, the human hand is an even more complex system where the human brain is more complex than an iPhone, right? If you look out and you look at a tree, how a tree grows, right? And a tree is a complex system. Weather patterns, complex systems, but they're easy. They're delightful for us in the experience that we have. So it is. So it's taking that, that complexity, the complex, and making it simple to the individual using it so that they can have an amazing and delightful experience with it. But the only way you have an amazing and delightful experience is because it solves a need that someone has. And we have to understand what is that need. And that need falls as not just a functional need. You have needs that are emotional as well as social needs. So many times people will use something because it alleviates an emotional need. So let me give you an example of, uh, let's use a, a, a social. Uh, let's, let's look at Tesla, for example, uh, the vehicle. Um, it could be that somebody wants to purchase that vehicle because they have a need to be perceived as somebody who has wealth, right? You have to have a certain level of wealth to afford a Tesla, especially the first type of Tesla that came out. So if a social need to say, hey, look at me, I am wealthy. And I am environmentally conscious as well. Uh, and that appeals to those individuals. You have to understand what are the social motivations for people for buying things. And that's a real need. Whatever your judgment on it, if somebody, whether they want to be perceived or that way, that's besides the point. But the point is that in that individual, that is a need and you have to empathize with that social need, right? You can have an emotional need, even just lo looking at the Tesla in terms that I feel very strongly about the environment. Yeah, somebody who's very emotional about it and they want to do something about it. And the Tesla provides that, solves that emotional need so that they don't feel guilt when they're driving in traffic. They feel better in their own conscious. And there's not necessarily about what other people think, but for them, it might be the same reason that they would purchase a Prius or another electrical vehicle that solves that personal emotional need for them that they don't want to feel guilty that they are contributing to global warming per se. Another emotion that's worth mentioning is how you feel when you see the car. It's really a, a beautifully crafted car that makes my heart sing when I see it. And functionally, it's a car that's extremely fast. It uh, gets you from A to B very fast and with a lot of comfort. Yes, exactly. I recently read a quote that said, everything is designed, but few things are designed well. Give us an example of something that's not designed well. There's a, a, an easy example that is done if you look at doors. Uh, you look at doors with handles or without handles. If you look at a door, how many times have you been at a door that it has a handle on it? And the first thing when you see a handle, you're going to pull, but it really wants you to push. 
So that mm-hmm. is a poor design because functionally you see a handle, your tendency is to pull, but you're supposed to push the door. The better door would be like if it doesn't have a handle on it, right? You don't put a handle. You know that the only way you can go is you can push the door. Like in a lot of ba- – there's some bathroom stores, some places. You just push the door. That's easy. That's intuitive. You just push the door. If you want it to be able to be a pull, you put a handle. But there are some doors, for example, that have a, a sidebar on it that you're supposed to move it to the side. You're supposed to slide it. That is going to be a poor door because people are going entirely going to want to pull on the handle. So you want to be able to understand how it is that the individual is going to use something so you can design it properly. Uh, but that is the easiest example in terms of, of poor designs for, because you see it all the time. And, and I know it's a small design. It's, 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 a, it's a very simple example, but I think it's, a, a very, uh, it's, it's just very obvious in something that everybody uses every single day. I've mentioned a popular designer to you before on the web named Chris Doe, who often wears a hat that says, God is a designer. Love the hat. Wish I had thought of that idea before him. Where do you see God's work as a designer? Man, I I see it everywhere. Uh, If, you know, when I wake up and I look at my backyard and and I look at a sunny day, uh, you look at how God has created everything around us to satisfy our every single need. Um, not only look at the sun, for example, right? And, and I think that's sort of like biologically speaking, that's probably the most, com- more, most important component for, for life. You look at it, it's, it's beautiful to look at, beautiful to look at the sunset and the sunrise. Um, but yet, out of this, this thing says so not only beautiful, inspires awe, inspires beauty. So many drawings are focused on the sun. Uh, and everybody talks about going to see the sunset and the sunrise. But, but look at how well it provides warmth for us. It, it, provides, it provides our nourishment. How awesome the design of that ball of gas in the air that it creates food. A tree, a plant creates food from that. Right, and it grows, and that plant creates oxygen, takes our carbon dioxide, and creates oxygen for us to breathe, but also provides nourishment for other animals, animals that we then use for nourishment ourselves. So you just see the beautiful intricacy of that design of this thing called, called the sun to provide life for us. And then you look at the design behind a plant. Not only is it aesthetically pleasing to look at, at, at a beautiful tree or a beautiful tall grass or a beautiful bush. Granted, there's, there's ones that we can, might consider ugly we don't like. But it has an aesthetic element to it as well as it has a, a beautiful functional element for us. It allows, it recycles our air, as I mentioned before, from carbon dioxide, from carbon dioxide to oxygen. It provides shelter to birds. It provides, it provides shelter for us. It's, it's a renewable resource that we can actually take and use the wood and the timber in a tree to build structures and shelters for ourselves. Oh, we can use it to provide fire to build for us. All these are just beautifully intuitive things that are exist out there in the world that to me just shows the intelligent design of God in creating this, this beautiful sphere that's called the earth for us to live in. And how often when you look at nature, do you have, 
Do you have these emotional feelings that just are awe-inspiring that come to us, that satisfy us? But also, I would say that often nature also reminds us of our, of, of our human nature and our human condition, our emotions. We have a beautiful sunny day that's just awe-inspiring. We can have a, runny, a, a rainy day that matches when we have, you know, we use a rainy day when we are, we are depressed, we have low moments, et cetera, that we all have. It's like God is matching and seeing us in nature. We got different seasons. We have different seasons in life. As we go through, as, as, as we go through our life, we have great seasons. We have seasons of birth. We have seasons of death. We have seasons of joy. We have seasons of sadness, right? We have, we have summer. We have fall. We have winter. We have spring. The spring is birth. It's associated with birth. It's associated with new life. The summer is associated with that, that maturing of life and that just, uh, the peak of life. And then fall is coming to an end and then winter. It, it is that, that death, but then that rebirth, that cycle, that it's matched again with our lives and with our seasons of life. I, I, can, I can keep going on with this, Ed, in terms of different areas that you can see in terms of nature, relationships with one another. You actually surprised me because when we've talked about this in the past, you, you talk a lot about God's design for our lives and our purpose. We've spent, and all these things are true. I mean, we've talked about creation and how it's, you know, the universe is perfectly tuned to sustain life. I mean, every physicist out there would tell you that mm -hmm. the odds of all these variables coming together the way they do is one out of, you know, some exceedingly large number. We have the creation, the heavens proclaim the glory of God, the skies display his craftsmanship. It basically says, I'm a designer. And you know, the human body, ridiculous, um, you know, the complexity of the different systems and organs uh, and the body. But I want to make sure we also talk about you know, God's plan for each of us, our lives, our purpose, and how he has designed that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, if you look at, right, um, the fact that the word became flesh, Jesus Christ came and as a human being was tempted and felt every single emotion, every single pain and joy that we feel. And then he died on the cross, a horrible death, having been the perfect human being experiencing horrible pain and not just a physical pain but an emotional pain of what is the separation from god when he was there at the cross he was separated from the father the son separated from the father which had not happened and the father having to turn his back on him because he represented all of mankind's sin and then he was resurrected and sat at the right hand of god it says that the son is seated at the right hand of god and now we have a high priest, it says in Hebrews, that can, we can approach because he can empathize with us. He can empathize with us. And he, the Son, is an advocate for us before the Father because he was tempted. Every feeling we feel, he felt. Every emotion we felt, he felt. So now we're not talking about a God who's up there, who is all-powerful, omniscient, can make everything happen. But now we're talking about a God who has the human experience. It sounds like the ultimate use case. It is the ultimate use case. When you look at the number one thing that a designer does is empathize with the user. God empathized with us. And our feelings and our emotions... You've coined the term deep tears when we've gone through significant periods of pain in our life. 
those times when we're crying in deep tears that we don't know an answer, we're asking why. Why is this happening to me, Lord? The same thing that Jesus Christ was in the cross. And he was, he was saying, he was asking the Lord, why? Why has you, have you forsaken me on the cross? That is the ultimate empathy. He experiences, he has experienced all of our emotions. Those are social desires where we talked about functional, emotional, and social elements to design needs. He's experienced all of those. Jesus Christ came, he ate, he needed shelter, he needed water, he needed all the functional things that we need to survive to understand that. The emotional. How do you feel when people betray you? When, when, when you love people and, and they revile you? When even your, your, your closest friends deny you? Right? When Peter denied him, he felt that. And even in the social setting, right? being seen as a bastard child, being called a teacher, but then being looked down upon by the Pharisees, being proclaimed by some as a king, but by others being looked at and despised on. So Christ experienced our functional needs, our emotional needs, and our social needs. And I think that is very powerful. So now we don't have a God who's, who's out there separated from us, but we have a God who understands every single bit of us, even when we sin and we're tempted to sin. Because, and, and I, it's not necessarily there in the Word, but I'm sure that Jesus Christ came to the point to making that decision. Will I sin or sin not? It says that, but he chose not to sin. But he knows how that feels, that intense temptation that we came, that we sometimes falter. He knows it. And whereas when we sin, we separate ourselves from God. He didn't sin, but he was separated at the cross. And the pain that we feel, feel because of the consequences of our sin, he felt it in, in 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times, a million times more than we did because he bore all of our sins. He felt the consequences of those sins at the cross. So to me, that just blows me away even more so. And thanks for bringing us back to this, Ed. This is the great designer because he's not only do we have it in, in the physical sphere and in, in the sustainment of life, but then in the sustainment of our, of our spiritual life as well. And if you think about it as well, a God who is preparing his children, his anointed one, his church, his, his bride, to rule with him in heaven. He's allowing us to have these experiences that I believe he knows we're going to need to be empathize with whatever it is that we're going to be ruling in the heavenlies. So it's interesting. It sounds like what you're saying too is the design process here, it's a process. It's not, you know, boom, there's man. <laughs> He's done. There was this, you know, actually becoming the product in a sense Mm -hmm. test driving it and realizing what the issues are. And, and now through this lifetime of grief and trouble and difficulties, he's, he's, he's prototyping quickly the product. He's, he's, he's refining it and refining it so that it can be the ideal thing, you know, down in the future when we're given this, this power, this ability to rule with him. It's, so it's not, it's just not a, a snap of here you are. It's here we are. And then the entire purpose of life is to develop us, to refine us over the period of our lives to, to satisfy our ultimate purpose. Is that what you would say? Yes, precisely. So in the innovation space, especially when there's a lot of uncertainty, 
and there's a, there's a lot of technological change occurring, we've heard the term fast failure. Um, there's there's a truth to that, but it's really not fast failure. It's fast learning, right? They've said that the biggest teacher is failure, and you can make the best out of your failure by learning. So how can you learn quickly? And as we are going through these different experiences in life, and we are wise, and we take them, and we take hold of those experiences, the good and the bad, what is it that we're learning? That one, helps us to grow closer to God, because at the end of the day, that's what he created us for, to be an intimate relationship with him. And then how does that help us to be an intimate relationship with others, right? So it's not just a, a vertical, but it's also the horizontal as well. And what is God teaching us about us and the specific design that he has for every single one of us? He, we are members in particular of the body of Christ. And he says he's known us from the womb. He's known our frame from early on. And he put us in that book of life while we were in our mother's womb. So he crafted a specific, a specific, a specific purpose for you, Ed. A specific, and he's got a specific design to, for you to fulfill that purpose that he has called out for you. Like he has a specific design for a specific purpose that he's called out for me. So how is he perfecting that? Allowing us to, perfection in many ways, allowing us to perfect it through our experience to get to the full realization of that design that magnifies his glory. And I do think it's an iterative process. And we, we learn more. And actually, I find it that I'm 45 years old, be 46 this year. Um, as the years go by, the more I realize how little I know and how much more I have to learn. And the more I'm able to apply and say, okay, this is, this is how I need to grow. These are the wounds. These are the hurts that I have in my life that I still need to work through that bring me back into sin and prevent me from fully realizing God's glory in me. But at the end of the day, and I'll never get to that perfect, right? I continue to iterate and grow on that if I continue to seek him. So we only have a few more minutes. I want to make sure I ask, how do you infuse design with God's grace? And does it even make sense to ask that question? It does make sense. And to me, it makes perfect sense for design. Because a big part of grace, when you extend grace to somebody, unmerited favor, you have to be able to empathize with them. And design is about empathy. So whatever it is that we're building, we're trying to many, uh, often, uh, some of us in the sign world says, what pains are we allevi alleviating in a consumer? What pains do they encounter when they're trying to achieve a certain, a certain outcome, do a certain job? And it's those pains that we try to tackle with a product to create an experience that enables them to achieve the outcome that they want to achieve. So I have to understand what is the motivation, where it is that they're going, what it is that they want to be, the individual, the individual's trying to go, and identify what are the challenges and the pains that they encounter in those situations. And then I solve for those in a way that the consumer, the user, is going to say, yes, you solved this in a way that I didn't even imagine to solve it. So you have to almost infuse Grace has to be a part of design uh, for us to develop beautiful, intuitive products, services, experiences. And how do you define grace? 
I define grace as God's unmerited favor. So when we extend grace, we know that it can't be earned. And for me to understand that somebody can't necessarily earn my grace or the grace that I have from God that I extend to others, I have to be able to put myself in their shoes and also consider myself um, as human beings and understand what is the human condition. And knowing that nobody is going to be perfect. It's the same reason that Jesus Christ was able to revile not. And he extended grace when he was on the cross and he said, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. But he understood their human condition. He empathized with them because he felt it. He knew their ignorance of eternal matters, of those people who were crucifying them. Um, He knew the influences they had from Satan. He knew how they were lost and they were blinded. He had a full understanding and an empathetic um, perspective to be able to extend grace and forgive them. Um, And so we have to be able to empathize with people to extend grace. Uh, And some might argue with this, but I don't think you can actually extend grace without empathy. So do you have any recommendations for resources that our listeners can go to to learn about design, whether it's books or websites or whatever? In terms of design, one of the individuals that I really love reading about design is a gentleman by the name of John Coco. And if you just Google John Coco, you find a lot of work for him. He put on together uh, a couple of hard business review articles um, in 2015 uh, talking about design. He's got several books out there. Uh, there's multiple techniques out there and how to, there's, again, there's techniques, but if you want to get into the strategic design into solving complex problems, uh, I think he's one of the, the better individuals. There's also, when you get to the, to the tactical in terms of product development, I think that um, Strategizer and Alex Osterwalder in the value proposition, uh, his value proposition design book that I don't have in front of me right now, uh, talks about how to identify the pains, the jobs, the gains that people are seeking to when we're doing product development for them. Um, and there's there's multiple other signs. Also a book called The Design of Everyday Things. It's a great book to read on design uh, that talks about how to make things intuitive, simple, easy to use. Erwin, thank you so much for joining me. A recording of this program can be found at thegraceand30.com and wera.fm websites, as well as on iTunes and Stitcher. The show will also re-air on this station this coming Sunday at 8.30 a.m. This is Edden Irwin signing off from Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night, and be sure to tune into Grace.